You're listening to the Open Court Podcast with Jay Young, Bob Huesler, and Joe DeSantis. An all-access pass to Fairfield University men's basketball. Welcome to Open Court with Jay Young, your one-stop podcast destination for all things Fairfield basketball. Along with the coach, I'm Bob Huesler, joined by my broadcast partner, the Fairfield Hall of Famer, Joe DeSantis. And we're also pleased to be joined today by the Stags' freshman guard, the two-time MAC Rookie of the Week, T.J. Long. And we'll be speaking with T.J. a little bit later in the podcast. Uh, right now, we'll start off with the coach. And, uh, Coach, since we last spoke with our listeners, Stags had a great win at Sacred Heart, beat Stony Brook in an exciting overtime game. Lost to Loyola, so that's the most recent game in our memory. So we'll start there. And uh, those guys have been a thorn in your side, haven't they? You had a, a, a tough overtime loss down there your first season as a Fairfield head coach, and they got you on um, on on Sunday. That game on Sunday, I guess that had to disappoint you in the sense that both facets of Fairfield's game, offense and defense, kind of bogged down at the same time late in that game after you looked at the film, able to put your finger on exactly where it got away? Yeah, I I think, you know, like kind of hit the nail on the head with it, that uh, offensively and, and defensively, uh, we just had some bad moments and uh, at bad times. Uh, the zone certainly affected us. They had gone into the – they had uh, come into our game playing about 83% man-to-man, 17% zone. They kind of flipped that. And we thought that they would. We thought that we'd see more zone, and we had a couple of days to work on it. But it's tough to simulate uh, that into in practice. I just thought the zone for them kept us any out of any rhythm offensively whatsoever. Uh, our baskets, even when we scored them, were kind of rough baskets um, and more individual plays than that. So I thought the zone for us was a problem. And then defensively, we just we just had some really poor moments defending their stuff. Not enough ball pressure. Um, kind of let them run their their sets the way they wanted to run them. We did a much better job in the first half, even though their percentages were high. I think we caused eight turnovers in the first half, and we couldn't get them to turn them over in the second half. So, yeah, just a disappointing finish. Um, we had the game, I thought, in a good place, um, and then just, just kind of hit the wall on, on both uh, both ends of the ball. You talked about um, things, how things – got away from you defensively offensively we talked before the game and uh, you were making it a point of emphasis need to play these guys you know late into the shot clock they're the kind of team that can be methodical on offense but they were hitting their shots and that, that might have taken a little bit by surprise too they did some things offensively that I think maybe took all of us a little bit by surprise would you agree with that assessment yeah I, I think it's the best that they've played yeah. um you know, they came into the game uh, not shooting the three well at all. And, uh, you know, they, they shot it well. And uh, some of that had to do with them. Some of that had to do with us kind of being laid on some closeouts and that type of thing. But they still made them. And, um, you know, Spencer was a problem for us. I thought he was a problem for us in pick and roll stuff. Uh, and, you know, I was really disappointed. We could have withstood Spencer and Jones. Their front court uh, – you know, shot a high percentage. They had come into the game not playing well. I thought we just let those um, auxiliary guys have too good of games, and we could have withstood the Jones and the Spencer. But, you know, uh, Deakey came in, got 10 on us, where he was averaging four, and the brothers 
got above their average. Yeah. So those are the things that you got to do a better job of. Um, you know, Spencer had a really good night, and he's a very, very good player. He really is. So that can happen to you. It was just those other guys I thought really hurt us too, their front court, uh, shooting a high percentage and getting above their averages. Jay, um, going back to their defense, and Bob has worked with me uh, for 15 years now and some of my other broadcasts, like I, I watch Merrimack play that defense, and I call it a zone on steroids. It's not a typical zone. It's one that has four guys, comes out, and really makes it hard for you to make penetrating passes. So um, I guess my question is, you were surprised based on the percentages they played zone. Were you ready for that type of zone? Is that something you saw on film? Yeah. Because that's that's a zone that yeah. you no matter who, who and when – I think Manhattan does that to some degree – you don't really practice against that for weeks before the openings for the right. start of the season. Yeah, uh, I did think we would see it and mm-hmm. see. Uh, matter of fact, that on Thanksgiving Day when I was watching film, I was texting with Brian and Chris, and just I thought we'd see more of it because I felt it was their best defense. Quite honestly, the way that they played it, and I thought that they would have trouble guarding us man to man. I really did. So we worked on it for two days, and it's just very difficult to simulate it, uh, with your walk. We did a bad. We really wanted to exploit the corners, get the you know to play play below the free throw line. When we were able to do that, we had some good moments. We put in a couple things against it. When we were able to execute that, we we had some moments, um, and we also had some shots. Quite honestly, that you just got to make in those moments that we weren't able to make. You know that we had some good looks, but. Uh, I, I thought our rhythm against it was really poor. Um, and, you know, credit them, credit them. But we, I, I really felt watching it, Bob, on Thanksgiving uh, that, that we were going to see way more than that split of 83-17. I thought we'd see, you know, 50-50 at least. It was probably a little more than that. As a matter of fact, on any real, uh, you know, the only time they weren't in it was on Out of Bounds Under and, and when they missed. So um, it, it frustrated us, and, and then, you know, we missed some shots that we thought we could we needed to make, and I think that that, uh, that affected us a little down the other end, which we, we can't have that happen. I thought some of our inabilities to make shots affected the way we defend, and we can't do that. And, and uh, you know, we addressed a lot of that yesterday when we got together. Yeah, I, I want to double down on what you said. Sometimes you got to give the opponent credit. Mm-hmm. They played that defense. They played it well. I thought they were really quick, like times that they're spread out. You could penetrate. They were quick to the ball. So I, I just thought they did a good job. But I thought it, uh, you still obviously had a chance to win the game. But um, I thought they were, that team, what do I know? But that team was a lot better than I thought. And I didn't watch as much as you, but I watched two games. I thought they really played their best game. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Like I said, they came in not shooting the three well. I thought we contested a few right. of them, and they still made them. And uh, I knew Spencer was a really good player. Jones can shoot, but he shot it better than he shot it in any game all season. So uh, we got a good punch from them. And, and like you said, we could have won the game. And just in our execution in that last six minutes was very poor. And you had uh, won three games in a row heading into that game against Loyola and starting to, and we'll continue to build a really good feeling and that winning culture with this Fairfield team. But the mood of the team immediately after that game, you go into the locker room and you have a team who had been on a good roll and now all of a sudden took a little bit of a a punch to the gut. How would you describe the mood of the team following that loss to Loyola? 
Well, you know, I say all the time there's winning and then there's misery and there's nothing really in between. It, and, and uh, you know, I was miserable after the Providence game. We were all miserable, miserable after BC and we were miserable again. We just didn't feel that we, we and again, give credit to Loyola, uh, but we didn't feel our execution was great and, and, our, and we didn't, I, I just didn't feel we played well. Um, and that's a bad feeling as a coach that you that you want to help those guys a little more. And 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 I just did not felt feel that we had our our best game. And uh, like I said, give Loyola credit for that that they took us out of some stuff that we wanted to do. But um, you know, this is college basketball. You look around the country, and 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 you know, uh, I'm watching uh, I'm watching uh, a little Niagara last night, and and they win at Colgate, who just scored a hundred versus Syracuse. So it's Tell everybody it's not a video game. You, you know, you just can't push a button. And, and uh, we just did not play well, and, and we've got to play better. That's, that's the bottom line. And how about the response yesterday? We're t- talking to you on Tuesday. You come back into the gym on Monday. What was the team's response when you got back to work? Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's like it always is. We, we handle it the same way every time. We just we kind of get together. We watch film of offensive and defensive stuff. Um, certainly there was there was more uh, I thought defensive breakdowns and some scouting report mistakes that we just missed on uh, that were very frustrating to to everyone certainly me as a coach that we just did not execute the way we should have on some certain situations and we had gone over those so we reviewed those you know uh, looked at our offensive stuff too and some things that we didn't do that we need to do in, in critical moments and then moved on to Canisius. You've got to put the game behind you, learn from your tape, and, and then move on to Canisius uh, and try and steal a day on them. So, I mean, we've essentially talked about a lot of the negative things that have happened, but how about Supreme Cook? How good has he been? Does that change your your approach to the games now that he – I mean, essentially in the two games, like 19 points, nine rebounds, and a major, major force inside. Yeah. Uh, you know, we saw it during the summer, and I, I think I mentioned to you guys that, that he was the one guy uh, that was kind of dominating our workouts, and that's kind of a good sign that he's continued to to uh, do that into the year. And, uh, you know, we've probably got to get his minutes a little bit up and, and get, get his conditioning maybe a little better. He's, he's wrestling with some big guys under there, and it kind of wears him out. But uh, he's been fantastic, and, um, you know, we need to have uh, more consistent play from other guys as well. Yeah, he got a great performance from Supreme, a, a career high for him, and I'm sure there will be many more like that. And uh, you got a great performance from the guy who has joined us today, taking a uh, – we're appreciative for the fact that he's taking some time out of uh, – there's a busy schedule to join us here, uh, T.J. Long, who is now the two-time MAC Rookie of the Week, 21 points in the uh, loss – against Loyola and um, TJ you know it's not supposed to be this easy you've been around uh, well playing a month and already you've garnered two uh, very prestigious awards you didn't expect it to be this and I don't mean easy in that in that pure sense of the term but uh, has your early season success caught you any bit any bit by surprise or did you set this kind of a standard for yourself coming in uh, I would say it kind of set a standard for myself coming in um, you know, I'm confident in my abilities, and my teammates done a great job putting me in the right places to be successful in these games. All right, I'm going to really start and set the table here with a very difficult question. What does the TJ stand for? <laughs> uh, Thomas John. Thomas John. When do people 
stop calling you Thomas John and it and it switched to TJ. Uh, ever since right, right when I was born, I was always I was always a TJ right from the start. Is there a family uh, explanation? Some or uh, Thomas's and and or Johns and and the family. Uh, yeah, my uh, grandpa is Thomas, and uh, my dad is also Thomas, but not Johns. I'm I'm the first Thomas John in the family. Nice. Now, talking about your the background to the TJ and the Thomas John, uh, tell us a little bit about your family. Uh, how many? Uh, siblings and uh, where you grew up and all the good stuff. Yeah, so I got uh, three siblings, one older brother, two younger sisters. Uh, grew up uh, Rockwell Center, Long Island, a little small uh, suburban town. Um, my brother, he's a uh, he's actually graduating this this winter from South Carolina University. My sister is a senior in high school. She's committed to Pitt for lacrosse. And I got a little uh, seventh grade sister that's trying to uh, become an athlete as well. The sister who has committed to Pitt as a lacrosse player, she was a pretty good basketball player too, wasn't she? Yep, yeah, she was She was a good basketball player. Uh, last year, she actually, last spring, she tore her ACL. Mm. So this winter, she will be skipping the basketball season and just going straight lacrosse from here on out. Now that is, uh, you're talking about um, a sister who was good enough to skip a basketball season because of a terrible injury and yet be good enough to get a lacrosse scholarship. Uh, you say your younger brother might be following in the athletic footsteps. Uh, your older brother, was he an athlete as well? Yes, he was. He, uh, he was a big lacrosse guy. He, uh, he could have played lacrosse in college, but uh, he just said he wanted to go to school and just focus on that. A lot of lacrosse in the Fairfield um, uh, storylines lately. Uh, yep. Cam Spencer uh, was a lacrosse player himself, but his brother is evidently one of the greatest lacrosse players in the history of collegiate lacrosse. So, um, and of course, Fairfield is a great lacrosse program as well. you have any lacrosse uh, talent in yourself? Yeah, I played lacrosse from about first, second grade to eighth grade. And after eighth grade, I, I, uh, I dropped in. I was just straight basketball from there. You ever uh, were you ever tempted to take the lacrosse path as opposed to basketball? Um, I was maybe a little bit in the start, but once I kind of having a little bit of, saw a little bit of success in basketball, I kind of just stuck with it, and uh, I just liked it a lot better. All this athletic talent in your family means that your mom and your dad, or both had some kind of athletic talent themselves. I think that's a safe assumption, right? Yep. Mom was a, uh, played soccer at Cortland, and uh, my dad, was uh, he played basketball at uh, Concordia. Nice. How, now, uh, when did your dad uh, play hoops at Concordia? Because we're going to do a little internet thing. <laughs> oh, I wish I knew that. How old is he? Uh, he is 51, 52 now. So 23 years ago. 27 years ago. I'll put you on yeah. the, uh, the research assignment there. <laughs> yeah. How um, did it come naturally to you? Or did, did your parents expose it to you and you just kind of grew into it? Did they set you? Did, uh, I'll put you on the spot. Were, were they stage parents? <laughs> did they want you <laughs> playing sports or did they kind of just let you ease your way into it? Uh, I'd say a little of both. Like when I was younger, they put me on camps, like all different sports, see what I liked. And uh, the basketball camp, I kind of stuck with it. And just from there, they just uh, they didn't force me to do it. They just kind of let me ease my way into it. And if I wanted to do it, I would. And they would 
if I asked them to put me in a camp or work out, they would they would do all they could for me to to be in that camp. So uh, TJ and I spoke a little bit at the Sacred Heart after the Sacred Heart game, being from Rockville Center. I, I lived in that area. And St. Agnes, which was a powerhouse in that area, but you went to Holy Trinity. Yep. Okay. So give us real quick your your high school, your 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 AAU, uh, your coaches, your, the the best um, the best memories you have of high school AAU. Who was your biggest mentor? You know, just real quickly, like some of your memories of uh, how you got to be so good, where you played, things like that. Mm-hmm. Well, I got to give a lot of credit to my uh, my AU coaches and trainers, uh, Chris Despara, the, uh, the kind of run of the crown basketball. All right, let me, let me cut you off, yep. okay? Um, his dad coached my son, Gregory, AAU, the team out of Mount Vernon, and I can't think of it right now. but So I know Chris, and they were at the game. And Jamie and uh, Jamie Casey Cosgrove, yep. you're going to say, played for me at Quinnipiac <coughs> for, for for a year or two, and then they Quinnipiac fired me. And <laughs> what have they done since then? But go ahead. I'm sorry, I had to interrupt you. Go. Yeah, no, they've just been great influences on me, great uh, kind of mentors to show me like the the right way to do things, not just basketball, but uh, off the court as well. And uh, you know, high school, I had a great coach in uh, Joe Connery at Holy Trinity. Uh, he he was also a good like leader and mentor for me, and obviously I played with uh, Mike Sixsmith from Holy Trinity there, so right. that was that was that was always a good time. And you guys, meaning you and Mike Sixsmith, were AAU rivals, right? And so there was kind of that dynamic before you became teammates at Holy Trinity, and now you're good friends, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. So we were rivals. I I did not like him at all until about <laughs> ninth, tenth grade, and then he actually joined. He came to Crown, and we started playing on Crown together, and that's kind of how the uh, the Holy Trinity connection worked out. He he was calling me, I was calling him, and we ended up both at Holy Trinity together. And you started your high school career at Chaminade, correct? Yep. Which is another powerhouse. Uh, then you it was a it was a fit that you felt was better for you at Holy Trinity, correct? Yeah, correct. It just it wasn't a good fit there, so I went over to Trinity. So you are playing ex- exceptionally well at at Holy Trinity. You're on the Division One radar now. People are recruiting you. When did Fairfield become one of those schools that you started to think about in a very serious way? Yeah, well, they were always calling me here and there from like a uh, little, like um, I'd say towards the end of my junior year, I got a few texts from uh, Coach Casey. So he was always texting me here and there, how's it going, all that kind of stuff. And I would say towards the end of my senior year is when it kind of got a little more serious when I uh, – Went to uh, decide I was going to go to a prep school at Canterbury, and from there Canterbury, it just it just got more serious and more serious, and eventually uh, I got the offer. So when you made the decision to go to prep school, was that a difficult decision, or was it a part of you that wanted to get right into D1 basketball? No, yeah, it wasn't really that difficult for me because I was, you know, I had to get bigger, more physical, uh, a little more mature, um, and then COVID happened, so there was nothing really going on for anyone at that point. So it was really just kind of the perfect perfect time for me. And when you were at prep school uh, Canterbury, did you have a full, I'm just curious, did you have a full day of classes or did you spend more time playing basketball than you did in high school? No, it was a, it was full, a full, full day so of classes. So it was a real school? Yeah, it was a real school, right. yep, yep. And I, I got to ask something, and I'm not real good with my geography. Was that a long commute for you to go to Holy Trinity? Uh, it was about a... 
20 minute That's 20 it. minute ride yeah not too far yeah. i always felt that when i went to holy trinity back in the day to recruit it was like in another world off the LIE. Yeah. But I, I guess. Yeah, uh, only about 20 minutes. Uh, yeah. but, uh, 20 minutes. Took me 20 minutes to get from my house to the to the highway ramp today. Yeah, I know, well, <laughs> that's what you that. get for living in Stanford. I'll take that any day of the week. So um, we've talked about Holy Trinity and a great experience there. How about Canterbury? Who were your influences? You said you got physically bigger and stronger, and obviously you improved as a basketball player. Who are your influences there? Yeah, obviously the, the head coach, uh, Brian Bolognese. He uh he's a great guy. He was kind of my uh he kind of took over like the uh the role Chris had for me when I was home. He kind of became that new that new mentor and guide on and off the court. Uh you know, great coach, great uh skill developer, and he just he kind of knew what I wanted and he pushed me every day uh harder and harder. If we were to pretend that prep school was something you weren't going to do, you were clearly good enough to start playing, you know, right out of high school as a senior. And let's pretend COVID wasn't part of the equation as well. Would you have ended up at Fairfield? Was there some – where would you might have gone? Again, this is all hypothetical, but if there's no COVID, there's no prep school, where might have you gone to school? Uh, that's a great question. Um, to be honest, I'm not really sure because I didn't really have too many things going on for me because I was still – I was still little. I wasn't, you know, f- physically as big as I am now, even though I still have to get a little bigger. Uh, so I was really just, I was kind of planning on going to prep school before COVID happened, and then just happened, uh, COVID happened. So it was it just made the decision easier for me. So now you do begin to uh, dramatically improve physically and your basketball skills at Canterbury. Who else got involved with Fairfield as competition for you? Uh, I would say the main one would probably be uh, it's probably Marist, um, but you know I had a bunch of other schools calling, like uh, a few Patriot League schools, a few Ivy League schools, just schools like that. So Marist was the only one you gave serious consideration to, in addition to Fairfield, or were there maybe a few others on that the, the Patriots, the Ivies that you considered? Uh, yeah, well, Marist was actually the only official offer that I had. Um, so it was really just between here and here and uh, Marist. I'm gonna bring coach in for a second. Uh, are you surprised that there wasn't more interest in a guy who clearly is uh, going to be a good performer in this conference, coach? I think COVID, uh, you know, last year just screwed up everything. And and if it was a normal year, uh, certainly uh, TJ would have had a lot more offers. I'm glad he didn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the COVID situation just made it so difficult f- to recruit high school kids last year. You were doing it all by film. Luckily, we knew TJ um, from seeing him play in high school and seeing him play live. Uh, but that wasn't the case with a lot of guys. So I, I just think it was a matter of COVID and the reduced schedules and trying to have access to, to watch high school players play. I think that's TJ's story is not uncommon with some high school guys last year who got overlooked and didn't have many offers. Well, that being said, TJ, what attracted you to Fairfield? What did you know about Fairfield before you got seriously involved with them? Yeah, well, I actually, one of my, a few people from my town, you know, uh, Fairfield's kind of a big school from where I'm from and towns where I'm from. from. But uh, one of my uh, really good friends actually goes, he was a sophomore now, so he was kind of talking of the school, and it happened that uh, I had the the chance to come here, and it was just a combination of, you know, like the coaching staff, the basketball, and you know, the, obviously the academics, it was just a great, great fit for me. 
there's always that one player, you know, the player who is already here at Fairfield who kind of takes the lead in recruiting or mentoring potential recruits. Uh, who was that guy here at Fairfield for you? What player? Or maybe a several players if uh, there were more than than one. Um. I don't. Well, I, TJ couldn't have. Yeah. Been, so he he had to take a visit last year because yeah. of COVID on his own. So yeah. we couldn't even have any. When he visited the campus, we were away. Sometimes I have to remember yeah. we dealt yeah. with COVID last yeah. year. So, yeah. So so we didn't. He didn't have access to meeting any of the guys yeah. whatsoever. So, you know, he was up here with his folks on a tour. Uh, <laughs> while we were, I think we were up in Buffalo or something yep. at the time, and and uh, that's all we could do with it. Wearing a mask at a distance right. and. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so you almost had to just go by what you were being told, and obviously that was a good a good message. Well, let's let's skip forward. Now that you've gotten to know your teammates very very well, who have been uh, the guys who have been mentoring you in your freshman year? Yeah, I'd say just like all the older guys, like uh, Caleb, Taj, uh, Woj, and uh, like Jesus. They've been all all good to me. You know, giving me advice here and there. You know, what I should do here, what what I can do better for here. So they've been all been like like good mentors and showing showing me the way. What are the things uh, that have been the biggest adjustments for you in terms of basketball? Two part question: basketball and obviously academics as well. I just say the uh, the length of the days. You know, at high school, the uh, like the, it wasn't as much at the same time. There's a lot more film in college, so you really got to be locked in, not just like like physically, but also a lot more mentally here. So it's a little more. Uh, harder mentally and then just the school days you know just just a little little more work than i had as normal so i want you to uh describe to our listeners who you think you are as a player like what do you do what you need to work on and now that you're playing 20 to 25 minutes a game have your goals changed individually it's a lot of questions but <laughs> yeah i just say you know i'm a I would say I'm, uh, for the most part, like a smart basketball player. Uh, obviously, I can shoot a little bit. Um, but, you know, I just try to make make the right play, uh, you know, for the right play for the, um, you know, for the team. Um, and, you know, since, like, I'm playing a little more minutes, I don't really have too many goals that have changed. You know, I'm just trying to do as much as I can to help the team get the win. You play with uh, a confidence that can't really be taught. Is that are you aware of that, or is that something that just has always come naturally? Yeah, I would say it just comes naturally. It just you know, I just go out there and try to try to try to play. As a contrast to uh, what you may be going through, uh, coach has talked to us about how he has had to impress upon Jake Wojcik that hey, Jake, you know, at Richmond, you weren't the number one line on the scouting report when an opponent looked at Richmond. Now when you look at Fairfield, Jake Wojcik is right up the top of that list. Okay, this is a guy who's highlighted. Do you notice now early in your Fairfield career how teams maybe have resp- are starting to respond to you a little bit more in terms of how they're playing you? Um, yeah, maybe a little bit. Like, you know, I check in. Some people like shooter, shooter. Like, so just, I guess, a little more aware of where I am at sometimes so I don't get, like, uh, as easy uh, as like as open looks as I would like to get. Okay, you just said something that certainly describes what's clear about your game. You're a shooter, an outstanding shooter. But 
Joe and I both get the impression that you want to be known as more than a shooter. So where is the ceiling for other aspects of your game? What else do you think you can really be good at? Yeah, I'd say just, you know, uh, getting to the basket more. I feel like I can get to the basket a little more. Uh, you know, but that, that will come just as, like, as I get stronger and, you know, my ball handling gets a little better. can, like, uh, beat some guys off the dribble, uh, get to the basket, you know, a little mid-range game, and then uh, obviously make the right pass when, they, when the help comes. So you seem like um, you're a good guy, a humble guy, quiet. So the season goes on. Fairfield wins the MAC championship. You get rookie of the year. You come into the office at the end of the year, and you got you got to ask him one coach young one question. You want to play a certain team before you graduate. Who would that team be? Wow. Um, I'd say probably. Maybe UConn, just because they're in Connecticut. You know, they're kind of a big deal in Connecticut, so maybe UConn. I, I just wrote a little note that you were going to say St. John's. Oh, St. John's, too. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> um, final thing, before, because we're running, we've are running, we got to get you to a class, so we don't want any professors <laughs> uh, coming after Joe or me. Um, it wouldn't be the first time they came around here. <laughs> Nobody plays for Jay Young unless they can defend. Where are you defensively? Where do you want to get to? Yeah, I think I've done all right, uh, uh, an okay job. Uh, obviously, I have to get better as uh, you know as time goes on. And we were just talking about this before you guys come in here. My foot speed and uh, you know angles need to improve. But I feel like I'll uh, I'll be I'll get better at each and every day. And we uh, we do need to move this along here. And uh, before we wrap things up, we want to talk to both of you about the upcoming. Mac uh, weekend. This is the start of the the conference season. I'll, I'll start with TJ. Um, are you ready? Obvious question. You're going to say you're ready, but the intensity now ratchets it up because you know you're playing conference games. How prepared are you for that without having yet experienced? What do you What have you asked questions about? What are you expecting when you get into Mac play starting this weekend? Yeah, I just think the intensity intensity is going to be a little a little higher because we know uh, you know it's conference play. It's important. We go up there and get two wins this weekend. You know we can be as coach said yesterday in practice two and zero and tied for first in the league for the first month. So that just that's just good to see us, our name up at the top of the list and give us confidence going to the rest of the year. And, Coach, as you get ready for this uh, Buffalo trip, as we like to refer to it, uh, it's a unique uh, weekend because you're playing two games in, in three days, and everything you're doing right now is geared toward Kinesha, but then, bam, you turn around and play a very good Niagara team. Uh, so how does that change, if at all, You know how you prepare – for this particular weekend as opposed to, say, if it was just like last weekend when you were concentrating on, on Loyola? Yeah, we're, we'll just focus all our attention on that Friday night game because that's what's in front of us. And then, you know, uh, both teams will be in the same situation where there's only one day prep. And, you know, uh, uh, Brian's got the uh, Kenesha scout and Chris has got the Niagara scout. They do an unbelievable job of getting us ready on short notice. And uh, – We'll be prepared. We'll be ready to go. We'll we'll get back to practice on Saturday after the Canisius and, and do a one-day prep for a game. And uh, you treat it kind of like a tournament atmosphere where your prep is either one day or no days. And uh, it's it's everybody's in the same boat. So I never really think too much about it. Um, and we'll just, you know, up until then, we'll just be all Canisius. And generally speaking, based on being 
less than a month into the uh, the season. Uh, your thoughts about the league? It looks like it's pretty strong this year, doesn't it? Yeah, I think for sure it's the strongest since uh, my short time in the league. That that uh, you know you see really everybody playing well, and and uh, uh, there's no team, you know, like it's going to be a war. It just is, and. Uh, You've got to go on the road now. We're going to have two extremely, extremely tough games. And you, you really throw out the records um, in league play. Uh, like I say, the mark of a good league, in my mind, is is when you go on the road, even to the teams that are, you know, uh, in at the bottom of the league, you're going to have to play so well to beat them. Uh, and that's a good league. Um, when we were good at Stony Brook, I felt you could go on the road and play poorly and still win with some of the other teams. I, I don't feel that way at all in this league. That that you that you you know we we're not to the point where we're, we're one of those teams, but you really have to go on the road and and uh, whether you're the first place team, if you play poorly on the road here, you're getting beat. So we're going to have two very very difficult games in Buffalo. Okay, we're at that point in the podcast where I turn to Joe and ask him anything else, Joe. No, well, I just Googled the weather in Buffalo while you guys were talking. It's supposed <laughs> to snow on Sunday, but you'll be chartering up and back, right? So Charter bus, yes. <laughs> yeah, charter bus. I hope you make out better than Loyola did with that bus. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. They had the breakdown. Unfortunately, it didn't really affect their performance on Sunday. But that is, uh, as a friend of uh, mine in the radio business would like to say, that's water over the bridge now. <laughs> <laughs> TJ, it's been great having you, and congratulations on a great start to your Fairfield career. We'll look forward to uh, speaking to you many times during your stay here with Fairfield. Yeah, great. Thank you for having me. And that'll do it for this edition of Open Court with Jay Young. Next up, that trip to Western New York, Friday at Canisius, Sunday afternoon at Niagara, and then back home to play Holy Cross. We, again, send out our special thanks to T.J. Long for joining us today and for Jay Young and the Fairfield Hall of Famer Joe DeSantis and our great producer Ryan Moynihan. I'm Bob Hiesler. Thanks for listening to Open Court. The Open Court Podcast is a presentation of Fairfield University Athletics. For future podcasts, videos, news, stats, and coverage of Fairfield Stags men's basketball, log on to fairfieldstags.com. Fairfield Stags.